This is Running the Race with Pastor Eddie Pinero of Calvary Chapel of Milford in Milford, Pennsylvania. But when Jesus Christ comes, here's where it happens. When Jesus Christ comes, this is going to happen to the body of saints. Because what the Paul said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8, he says, absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. That's it. Once you die as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be in the presence of God. There's no between ground. There's no way. There's no purgatory. It's not biblical, by the way. If you want to find it, you knock yourself out. But it's not in the Bible. What a powerful truth it is that when our life ends on this earth, we'll be face-to-face with Almighty God. Today, Pastor Eddie will speak on how this reality should affect our everyday life. How would you live differently if you knew that you were going to die soon and see Jesus? He wants us to make the most of our time on earth by living for Him. What can you do to increase the level of eternal impact that you might have on those in your life? Well, let's join Pastor Eddie in the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2 as he continues his message, Approved and Disapproved Workers. the Bible, it was written, I mean, we have the chapter and verse breaks, but they weren't originally there in the original text. I thank God for the translators who actually divide the the chapters, the books, and the verse. Can you imagine finding a passage in the book of Isaiah? 66 chapters. Okay, I'll come back to you tomorrow. You see if you can find that passage. I am grateful for the translator, but because it's written in chapters and verse breaks, we think we could just take a verse and say, oh, this is what it means. No, let's let's read it in common. Let's see what he's saying before and the verses after. Better yet, let's read the whole chapter. Better, better yet, read the whole book so you can understand the theme of the book. Keep it in context. And this is why there's a lot of false teachers. That's why Christians, you know, Christians are not eating healthy spiritually. You know, every time, you know, Judy cooks, and that, I, I, I blame her for my weight. <laughs> not my height. Not, not my height, but Judy cooks, and it's always good. She always asks, what do you want to eat? Just put it on the plate. Whatever it is, just surprise me. Surprise me. You know, I just, you know, I'm, anyway. But I'm not going to tell Judy, uh, you know, leave the meat, the steak there. Just give me the spices and put it on my plate. No, no, just give me the spices. It's cayenne. Okay, I'll take a glass of water. Just put it on there. I just want the spices. In the same way we eat spiritually, why would we just say, just give me verse 1 of chapter 5? You, you understand? You have to read the whole thing to, to get a nice good, to be filled spiritually through the Word of God. You don't just ask for ingredients. Okay, let me see the ingredients in this bottle. Okay, let me just uh, eliminate this. I don't even know what that's, how to pronounce that, but it sounds good. I'm going to just take that and extract that from the drink. It doesn't make sense. The Bible's the only way people tend to take it in just one verse, and all of a sudden now, that's why you have a lot of people who fall, and there's a lot of false teachers out there. But anyhow, once we divide the word of truth, saints, this is important. This is why we study book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. 
Is this the reason why? So we re- keep it in context. You know, there is a message, there is a theme, and we need to go with that flow. And that's the way it was written. That's the way it was given to us. The Bible was never given to us in pieces. And then the Lord goes, okay, figure it out, put it together. You know, no. And then pretty soon you'll find Genesis right after the book of Isaiah. Revelation, probably the second book. You know, he didn't give it to us in pieces. He gave it to us in whole so we can take it at whole and eat it all and partake. So we need to rightly divide the word of truth. And once we do that, we're able to give it straight, keep it straight, and give it straight. It says here, and you will be a worker, not ashamed. Not ashamed. Why? Because you're going to know the truth and the whole truth. Because you study. You showed yourself approved to God. Verse 16, he says, we're to show ourselves approved to God, but in verse 16, he says, but shun profane and idle babbling, for they will increase to more ungodliness. Avoid, shun worthless, foolish talk. What does it do? It only brings more and more ungodly behavior. And when you're in a conversation with someone and you leave upset or disappointed, there's a problem. When we gather together, that's why the Bible says, do not forsake the gathering of the saints. That's why church is important. Because we get to fellowship with one another. We talk about the word of God. And we, we, you know, we, we can see what is written. And we encourage one another when we leave. And say, you know, every time I'm with this person, I always feel blessed. You know, he always encourages me. He always has something nice to say. You know, as opposed to going to someone and say, oh, this guy's so argumental. He think he knows everything, you know. Every time he talks about something, I don't find it in the Bible, you know, and it just could lead to more ungodliness. So profane, shun profane and idle babbling, it's just nothing. All it does, it just increases the ungodliness. Verse 17, he says, and their message will spread like cancer. Message will spread like cancer. And the Greek word here is gangarea, which we get the word gangrene, gangrene. And that's, you know, gangrene, just if you don't know, I, I'm not a medical doctor, I, don't, I never had that, but anyway, it's a disease in which part of the body suffers from inflammation because it's so corrupt that unless a remedy uh, be seasonably applied, the evil continually spreads, attacks other parts, and at last eats away the bone. That's what it does. And the same way a disease does to a body, this is what they would do when you were out dealing with false teachers, talking about useless nonsense. And then everybody else that are hearing it, they get caught up in it, and they're talking about something that's not even in the Bible, non-essentials. And what it, it spreads, it contaminates, and it eats away. And so Paul gives a great picture, and he says, verse 17, and their message was spread like cancer. Hymenaeus and Philetus are of this sort. And so... You remember when we studied the first letter to Timothy, 1 Timothy in chapter 1, Paul said in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 19 to 20, he writes this, having faith and a good conscience, which some having rejected concerning the faith, having suffered shipwreck, of whom Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I deliver to Satan, that they may not blaspheme. And so this individual... Hymenaeus is actually, you know, he's not only mentioned in the first epistle to Timothy, but the second. 
This time he has another guy named Philetus who with him. They're false teachers. But here Paul gives us a little bit more information as we look at verse 18. Look at verse 18. It says, it's talking about Hymenius and Philetus. He says, who have strayed concerning the truth. That's important. Who have strayed concerning the truth. Don't be deceived. You can stray away from the truth. Don't be deceived. You know, we put up our guard. You know, oh, I'm saved, and no matter what I do, that's it. They strayed away, meaning that they were once upon a time, they were in the truth, but now they have strayed away. They were in the truth, and we're not talking about here, the Greek is not talking about a truth, it's talking about the truth, it's talking about the truth, Jesus Christ, who is the truth. That's what Jesus said, John chapter 14, verse 6. He said, Jesus said, I am the way, the, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And so they strayed away. And what do false prophets do when they stray away? Not even false prophets, those that, those that come to church. And all of a sudden, they stray away, and they take people along with them. You know, there's always followers is there's always followers. And so they strayed away from the truth, not to mention the others that Paul had mentioned in 1 Timothy. But what were they teaching? What were they teaching? Paul gives us that information. He says, who has strayed concerning the truth, saying that the resurrection is already past and that they overthrow the faith of some. Here again, here in 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, Paul points out that these false teachers had strayed people. It's dangerous. It's dangerous. And this is why we must, we must study and show that self-approved. You and I, each and every one of us. You can't believe what everybody says because they say it. Don't believe me. Don't believe me. Well, Pastor Eddie said, and I learned this from Pastor Eddie, you have a problem. You need to study and show that self-proof. That's the come When you take notes, you take notes, take it home. Everything we study, take it home, study it. You know, cross-examine it. And that's what Paul, in the book of Acts, he encouraged, he was blessed by the Bereans. He wasn't offended. As a matter of fact, he was encouraged that he mentioned them. As a matter of fact, the Bereans are known to us today because they were such a blessing to the Apostle Paul. They didn't just take what Paul said and wrote it down. Okay, this is what Paul said. This is what we're going to believe. No, they actually were Bereans. They looked at what Paul was sharing. Remember, they didn't have the New Testament back then. They were looking at the Tanakh. That's what the Jews call the Old Testament because you can't call it Old Testament to a Jew because it's still new to them. But they're going through the Old Testament to find Jesus as Paul speaks. And what did Paul say? They look for it. That's what we must do. That's why we must open the scriptures. That's why we come together to study. And so they were talking about the resurrection. And that's why we need to know. I know many of you here understand the resurrection. Talking about the resurrection of believers. Now, Paul does not, does not explain more in detail the resurrection. But for what we could take it as, uh, we know there's the resurrection of Christ. And I doubt very much that they were arguing about that. And that's what made them Christians, okay? What they were arguing about is the resurrection of the dead. It already happened. And when they say it already happened, it means that 
There was a time when Christ rose from the grave. Maybe you remember when Christ rose from the grave. The Bible says that the graves were open. Remember when he was crucified, the veil was torn in two and the graves were open. Listen, Michael Jackson, the thriller video has nothing on this. There were a thousand people. They were just, but they didn't look like that. That's the good, that's the difference. They had their whole bodies, you know, they didn't smell, they didn't stink. They came out and they said, I don't know. I was just sleeping. I was, I'm up. Yeah, the Messiah came. Oh, he came. That's why I'm out of here. I don't know. They may have thought that that was the only resurrection or it could be an agnostic teaching, which is a false teaching. You find more about Gnosticism when you read John's first epistle, first John. And so they were saying it probably was a spiritual thing. You missed it. It already happened. Wasn't that what happened when we studied the book of Thessalonians? The Thessalonians, they, they thought that, hey, you know, we missed the rapture because we're going through the great tribulation. Hence, that's the reason why I believe in the pre-trip because the church of the Thessalonians believed that. That's why Paul, I said, no, listen, it didn't happen yet. Relax. <laughs> you know, you don't know what the great tribulation is all about. Okay. So it most likely had to deal with the bodily resurrection that would happen at the rapture. So what happens when we die? Hey, just what Jesus said to the man at the cross, the thief on the cross, which by the way, if you study the life of the thief on the cross, he, didn't, he wasn't baptized. He didn't go to church. He didn't say a special prayer. Okay? He didn't read his Bible. Okay? All he says, Jesus, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. He acknowledged that he was a king. When you enter, and, he, and this is what Jesus said, surely, uh, that's in Luke chapter 23, verse 43, he says, surely I say to you, today, not tomorrow, not sometime, today you will be with me in paradise. So what went to paradise with Jesus? His spirit, his soul, but not his flesh, you see. His flesh will be buried all when I die. I believe in Jesus Christ, born again. I have a spirit because of Jesus Christ, by his grace. Not anything that I've done. Every single one of us, we're born again. But when we die, the physical body gets buried. And you could cremate. The Bible does not speak against it, go for it. You're just speeding up the process. 30 years, that's all. God knows how to put you back together again. All the king horses, all the king men cannot put up to you. God knows how to put the men together again. And so God knows it doesn't matter. And people, this is one of those non-essential things that people argue about. Okay? And so anyway, besides the point, you could be buried. But when Jesus Christ comes, here's where it happens. When Jesus Christ comes, this is going to happen to the body of saints. Because what did Paul say? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. He says, absent from the body and to be present from the Lord. That's it. Once you die as a believer in Jesus Christ, you're going to be in the presence of God. There's no between ground. There's no waiting. There's no purgatory. It's not biblical, by the way. If you want to find it, you know, knock yourself out. But it's not in the Bible. Here's the thing. We're going to be in the presence of the Lord. However, our body remains in the grave. And this is what would happen. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 18. Paul says, For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. The dead in Christ only, not the ones who are not born again. <laughs> and then, the, then we, if we're alive by that time, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together. Caught up, that word is the Greek. Those two words, those two words caught up is the Greek word harparzio, which means rapture. 
okay? That's why you need to understand the Hebrew and the Greek because the English language, there's no one word for rapture. We take the word rapture from the Latin Vulgate, raptus, so it's rapture. It said, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort each other with these words. So this is the promise. This is the hope that we have. That's a come when it comes to death. The Bible says we don't mourn like the world does. I'm mourning now because I'm here. I want to be in heaven. I want to have a glorified body. I'm going to be two feet taller. I'm going to be <laughs> buffed. You don't, listen, you're going to have a glorified body that, wow, you're going to say every day when I was on earth, boy, I looked at the mirror and the mirror, I started cutting it to size down and it just went like this. I just want to look at myself, see if there's something in my eye. Other than that, I don't want to see myself. But you're going to have a glorified body. But only those who are born again. Again, in order to have eternal life through Jesus Christ, you must, you must be born again. Jesus said it. You must be born again spiritually because you can't go up there because if you're dead, you have no spirit. That's why it's important that we're born again. Jesus said this, and this is important. Because we worship the Lord Jesus, because we worship the Lord Jesus, our Savior, our King, our Lord, the one that we worship, he conquered the grave. And because he conquered the grave, he is the resurrection. John chapter 11, verse 25 to 26, Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, born again, saved, through he, though he may die physically, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And that's the question for you this morning. We will never die. Study and show yourself approved. False teacher comes and say, listen, the resurrection ain't happening. I said, listen, come over here. Let me tell you something. I love you. I'm going to say you this with love. And you just show them the scriptures. That's why it's important. Study and show yourself approved. Paul goes on in verse 19. He said, nevertheless, despite all those false teachings and babbling and nonsense, nevertheless, the foundation of God stands. It stands despite the false teaching of the false teachers like Hymenaeus and Alexander, Philetus, the solid foundation of God stands, and it speaks about the word of God, the truth of the gospel. And like a foundation stone, it has an inscription, okay, or a seal, if you will. This is what Isaiah said in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 8. It says, the grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands seasonally forever. How long is forever? Forever. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, verse 35, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. By no means. And heaven and earth will pass because it's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Isaiah 55, verse 11, so shall my words be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the thing for which I send it. The word of God, foundation. Now, this solid foundation of God has a seal. A seal is a sign of ownership. It's a sign of ownership. And it's a twofold seal. It has a divine side to it, and it has a human side to it as well. Let us look at that. Verse 19, he says, Nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. Number one, this is the first seal. The Lord knows those who are his. The Lord knows those who are his. Now, the reason why you see it in quotes is because 
the Apostle Paul is quoting most likely the Old Testament in the book of Numbers. If you know that story in the book of Numbers where it's called the rebellion of Korah and Korah rebelled against God and those that God has appointed and anointed as leaders and they rebelled and they tried to gather people with them. And so Moses tried to correct them and say, listen, don't do this. You don't know what you're doing because it's dangerous when you go against God. And he tries to plead with him. He said, listen, let's meet. Let's talk this over. He refused to talk, him and the people, those that were following him. And so this is what he said since the, he didn't want to reconcile and, and learn from Moses and understand the severity of what his accusations were. In Numbers chapter 16, verse 5, he says this. So tomorrow the Lord will show who is his and who is holy and will cause him to come near to him. The one whom the Lord choose, he will cause to come near to him. This is important because quite often we need to be careful. The Lord knows who's his. You and I don't. Remember that because we have a tendency to look at others and see whether or not they're saved. Oh, she's not saved. Oh, he's not saved. Be careful. Yes, you will know them by their fruit. Yes, there'll be evidence. But let me tell you, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. The Lord knows who's, who are his. You know, you might even look at someone who looks holy, sounds holy, acts holy, even smells holy, if there's such a thing. But we tend to follow people who have that. Remember, what did Jesus say? What did Jesus say to the one, I think it's one of the most dangerous, scariest passages in the Bible. In Matthew chapter 7, verses 22, 23, Jesus says, many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done wonders in your name? Wow. Just think about it. That's a resume better than yours and mine. And you can say, wow, this person is of God. But, verse 23, then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. You will be surprised when we get to heaven. I guarantee you, you will be surprised. Because we have that tendency to see who's going to go to heaven, who's not, who's the Lord, and who's not of the Lord. You know, I love, and I have it hanging in my office. Because as simple as, as it would be, I'm a creature forgetful. <laughs> we all forgetful. That's why the Bible is remember, 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 remember. Because we always forgetful. We forget. But it's a simple quote. Billy Graham quoted. He says, it is the Holy Spirit's job to convict. It is God's job to judge. It is my job to love. That's your job. That's my job. We're not going to stand in the gates of heaven with Peter, even though Peter's not going to be there. We're not going to stand in the gates of heaven and say, okay, I can remember you down. Down, down in, in earth, you didn't, you, didn't stop. you didn't look like a Christian. You didn't act like a Christian. You didn't talk like a Christian. That person may be in that last breath on their deathbed you know how many people have accepted Jesus Christ on their deathbed? Perfect example, the man of the cross. He was dying. I'm You've been listening to Running the Race with Pastor Eddie, teaching from the book of 2 Timothy. It's a letter written by Paul to his young disciple, Timothy. Listen to the familiar words Paul speaks in 2 Timothy 4.7. I, meaning Paul, have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. 
I hope Timothy felt encouraged by these words as I do. Whatever trials I'm facing, I know that someone else has faced them too and had victory. It'd almost be like seeing light at the end of the tunnel, wouldn't it? Running the race is Calvary Chapel of Milford's outreach ministry committed to sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. You as listeners play a major role in that commitment as well. Here's Jessica to tell you more. We'd love to have you come join us at Calvary Chapel of Milford. We're conveniently located off Interstate 84 and Route 6. For service times and all the information you need, visit runningtheraceradio.com and click on the Back to Homepage button. While you're there, you can listen to this teaching again or explore more messages from Pastor Eddie. Again, that website is runningtheraceradio.com. Thanks, Jessica. If you missed that website, it was runningtheraceradio.com. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come visit on a Sunday morning. You'll find service times and directions on the website. Come back again next time for more of Running the Race. I'm reaching-